Otis. Plug it in. Hello, everyone. This is Frank Riker. And this is Darren Sands. And this is a quick-fire episode of the Slaughter Lamb podcast. And this time, we wanted to talk about serial killers. Not real serial killers that we heard about in the news or known through, you know, over here in the U.S. We had trading cards of serial killers that we used to trade. You're kidding. No, we used to have trading cards, you know, came with a pack of gum. Well, we thought, hopefully, it was gum. They would say, I'll give you, like, one Dahmer for, you know, two of your... You know, H.H. Holmes, you know, <laughs> they were like you baseball cards. Kidding. No, no, they actually had serial killer trading cards. But we're not talking about those. We're talking about fictional serial killers. Wow. <laughs> oh, man, I got another John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> I'll put that on my bike spoke. <laughs> Who knew Bundy could be such fun? Oh, he's he's yeah, he's he's a rare one, actually, to get. So, my first fictional serial killer from the movies, I had to put him in because because the first one is so obvious. I had to put Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. And I just think he's just as... You know what? Hannibal Lecter is likable. Hmm. And he has a certain charm about him in the movie. And from what the other movies in the series have uh, taught us about Hannibal Lecter and his persona is that he doesn't go after or eat the people who are rude. You know, the people who are part of society, the top echelon, he doesn't go after those type of people. Like Barney said that. Barney said, it'd be rude to go after somebody who I like. Unless you're Uh, a prison guard. Unless you're a prison guard, right. (laughs) Or or a nut next to him who throws, you know, (laughs) relish at people. Uh... Yeah, but Buffalo Bill, you know, he's he's a serial killer for a purpose, and that is because of his he finds himself kind of, you know, in the wrong body. You know, he wants to be a woman, so he skins these very large women to, you know, make sure that the uh, skin shrinks down. He sews them together. He wants to be a different uh, person, and everyone loves. Darren, please show this scene where he's dancing in front of the mirror. <laughs> to no more horses. <laughs> Putting on lipstick. And th- I think that scene, everyone who goes to the actor uh, who's escaping me right now who plays Ted it, Levine. Ted Levine. Yes, thank you. And everyone goes to Ted Levine and says, how did you do that? And on every documentary of this movie, he goes, it's easy. He just tuck it back. <laughs> And I think he did that on a whim. I think that was his. I think he was like, ah, "What if I do this?" That wasn't in the script. And he's just dancing back and forth. And you know, it's a shame too that I don't think he was nominated for that role because he did a very good job mm. and a believable job of being Buffalo Bill. You tra- you've Jane. tried that, Frank? Plenty of times. Are you kidding? <laughs> Before and after trimming. Good choice. Okay. Good choice. Good choice. Good choice. All right, your next um, Tucker. My, my Your next first Tucker. Tucker. My my next uh, my my first serial killer is from Don Siegel's Dirty Harry, nineteen seventy one, and it's Scorpio, played mm. by Andrew Robinson, who we know from um, Hellraiser and Cobra as well. 
the character of Scorpio is a kind of sniper that's operating around San Francisco. He also kidnaps uh, women as well. And he sort of draws massively from the Zodiac killers, which were kind of um, happening in real life around the same time. Dirty Harry was a huge success, 36 million box office in 1971, which is just huge. And Clint Eastwood, it's his first kind of outing as Harry Callahan As a cop, there's something really cold about him, isn't there? He's one of these cops who kind of just lives for the job and becomes obsessive about it. And he he's on the case of tracking down Scorpio. And... Um, yeah, it's it's the the movie itself is is a tense little thriller. None of the sequels that that um, that he brought out ever lived up to the first one. I mean, this this a cat and mouse chase from pretty much the start of the movie, and none more so than when uh, the, the the that Scorpio is is holding a girl to ransom, and uh, Harry Callahan has to go out in the streets to try and drop off some money to to to, to Scorpio, and he actually comes face to face with him. Uh, and you get that kind of really, you know, awkward um, confrontation between the two of whereas Harry Callahan pulls out that kind of concealed knife and stabs Scorpio in the back of the leg. And that scream that he lets out, Scorpio, is just... <laughs> well, he's it's still in the ski mask. Yeah, he is. He's wearing his red ski mask. And that scream that he lets out is just unforgettable. <laughs> Scorpio, Andrew Robinson um, from 1971's Dirty Harry is my first serial killer on the list. Movie serial killer, that is. And uh, one of the parts I like is when he pays a guy in the, in the back of a abandoned, I guess like a, either a factory, it's an abandoned billing, to beat the ever-loving shit out of him so he can blame yeah. it on Callahan and people That's believe right. Callahan did it. Yeah, yeah. And the guy's you know. face after he's finished beating him is just horrific, isn't it? And just one band-aid. <laughs> yeah, he comes out with one plaster <laughs> on his head when he leaves hospital. <laughs> it is his face looks like it's been through a lawnmower. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one band-aid. <laughs> uh, my next one, this movie from beginning to end, is fun. Uh, it is probably quoted and probably has one of the most famous lines when anyone mentions something about a box <laughs> um, and that's John Doe played by Kevin Spacey in Seven a, a very smart intellectual uh, serial killer that has a purpose not mm. just going out randomly and just killing you know, women or going after men who you know beat their wives or, or you know going after kids or anything like that he's going after the people who represent the seven deadly sins hmm. and you know his first victim we see you know is a, a overweight man who made him eat a whole bunch of spaghetti and then what kicked him in the stomach or, or he took a baseball bat to the stomach to make him throw up gluttony you know, yeah gluttony and uh, but probably the most famous one is you know the sex one I guess lust <laughs> with the knife he had the, the sharpening end of a uh, <laughs> of, of a sex toy a cod piece with, with some kind of razor at the end of it you know and the guy's going nuts um, you know but it, it has uh, one of the best 
endings probably mm. ever of a thriller. Yeah, you know, it was a where, huge twist, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. And did you ever see what could have been the endings? Um, no, I don't think so. Are they something that's available on the DVD? Yeah, yeah, they had, but it was in a storyboard. So they had Morgan Freeman's character instead of, you know, Brad Pitt shooting John Doe, they had Morgan Freeman do it. Okay. And that was going to be the end. And he's going to say, he hasn't won because you didn't become Wrath. Mm. You know, so I think uh, John Doe deserves to be on any serial killer list, you know, just to prove a point. And one of the few movies where the villain actually wins. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I, I remember watching it for the first time in the cinema. And um, there's that kind of, you know, when when the parcel gets delivered, you're, you're kind of saying in your head that it's going to be her head. It's going to be her head. But something about, yeah, something it, with her. And it, yeah, when it's revealed, and it actually isn't revealed because you never actually see what it is. You, you just kind of see the expression on um, on Brad Pitt's face, and you have you have Morgan Freeman telling him, "Don't look at it. Don't look at it." Um, Brad Pitt does an amazing job of of kind of portraying that pain of what's just happened. Um, it, it's it's a it's a horrible scene, but incredibly effective. And one of those sequences that you kind of leave yourself, you know, you, you're questioning yourself throughout that whole kind of finale. Did he really do that? Did he really do that? Um, yeah, it's it's just horrible. And like you say, <laughs> how many people do you hear these days saying, "What's in the box?" Yeah. We're done down, David. Seems that envy is my sin. Oh, what's in the box? What's in the fucking box? Give me the gun. <laughs> but it also, I mean, there's there's that conundrum of, would you have done what Brad Pitt did? Would you have killed the person that killed your wife and your unborn child that you never knew was there? Mm. Yeah, I think that was the tipping point. Yeah, yeah. Where he said, oh yeah, and she begged for her life and the baby inside her. And then you see his face just go blank. Yeah, yeah. His mind switched off. It was complete yeah. wrath. Yeah, and yeah. Morgan didn't stop him. Physically, no. he didn't stop him, and I think that's and and Morgan Freeman's character was was starting to like him because he was such a loner before, and mm-hmm. these were people who welcomed him into a house, and and you know the city was such a piece of shit that this was the only thing that he saw was good was this couple about to have this child and uh, you know a friend in Gwyneth Paltrow, and you know he physically for the first time slapped somebody. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, saying, shut up. It's it's a really you know a movie as well, and particularly the filmmaking is is well ahead of its time, and also the this kind of a timeless feel to the movie. You know that the way that he shoots the city and it's always raining and and everything, all the interiors are kind of all this sort of sepia color. Mm-hmm. Uh, it 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 doesn't feel like it, it ever dates the movie. And, and also, you know, there's quite a unique opening sequence. You know, the opening credit... I mean, David Fincher's amazing at opening credit sequences. You know, the, the, the opening sequence for Girl in the Dragon Tattoo is just stunning. Mm-hmm. But the opening for Seven as well is, again, is this kind of really grungy kind of abstract uh, a credit sequence, which is, you know, again, hasn't, hasn't aged in any way. And also the end credits, when you watch the end credits, there's something quite unique with them as well because they scroll down yeah. rather than up. I just Fincher, there are moments of Fincher throughout his career where I just think, bloody hell, you're, a, you're an absolute genius. You really are. 
And why not add in some nine-inch nails in there to put yeah. a little cherry on the cake? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He does look like a, lo- a bit of Trent Reznor, doesn't he? Oscar winner. Yeah. Oscar yep. winner Trent Reznor. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> okay, your next one. So my next one is one that, you know, I think at some point we need to do a kind of episode on when we, when we get round to it. But it's, uh, it, it's the 1986 movie directed by Robert Harmon called The Hitcher. And, you know, it's Rutger Hauer's portrayal of John Ryder, the Hitcher, who's a... We don't really know much about him. He is a, a, a serial killer. Um, we know that he's killed families. Uh, and C. Thomas Howell picks him up on a dark night, and they have this most awkward interaction about... Well, he soon switches the conversation to some some, some pretty unsavory things doesn't he there's 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 a there's a number of moments in this film which are which are really disturbing there's the sequence in the um in the cafeteria when he's eating the chips there's the sequence with uh, jennifer jason lee where she's tied up between the trucks um and also that final confrontation on the kind of desert highway and it, one of the one of the one of the really kind of amazing things about this film was how much stunt work that Rutger Hauer actually did he did a hell of a lot of it particularly the driving but also the scene when he dives from the back of the truck through the windshield of the car now obviously it's a kind of fake windshield and everything sure glass right yeah yeah but he actually knocked out some of his teeth while he was diving through the actual windshield in that sequence because uh, I think the shotgun hit him in the face as he was diving but uh, they initially wanted Sam Elliott or Terence Stamp to play the Hitcher, which I could possibly see Sam Elliott doing it. I'm a big Sam Elliott fan, and I could possibly see him doing it. I'm not sure about Terence Stamp. I think he's probably too small, too too Shakespearean. <laughs> so, but you know, I think that Rutger Hauer absolutely nails this performance. Um, but yeah, John Ryder, we know nothing about him. I think that's what makes him more terrifying throughout mm-hmm. this movie. There's one sequence where he's kind of. He's, he's got two wedding rings on one finger and perhaps that's a trophy from one of the one of the people that he's murdered or something like that or whether he's been married twice I don't know and that's one of the things that's kind of that's triggered him off you know these failed marriages who knows I don't know but it's best not knowing it's great to kind of conjure up these ideas in your head and and wonder what kind of makes John Ryder tick yeah, he was. It's. Uh, I remember we talked about him, and uh, I was t- telling you that one of my other favorite movies that Rucker did, did was Blind Fury. Yeah, um, yeah. But there's, there's, there is a part where he's telling uh, Powell, you know, he, you, why, why don't you kill me? Finish this. You only you could stop this. Yeah, because I think yeah. he wants to die, but he just can't do it. But the what we're talking about and how you and I are talking about this character in this movie is keeping this movie alive because like you said there is nothing that we know about him all we mm. know is that he's a twisted uh, sadistic person yeah yeah you know and toying with this kid you know remember he licks he licks the two coins and he puts them on his eyes and he just walks away <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or shooting down the helicopter with a with a, a, a six shooter <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> to help yeah. him get away I mean, yeah, I agree with you. This, I'm surprised I didn't think about him on my list. <laughs> wow. I'm glad you put it on there. Yeah, yeah. So my next one 
is the first time I've ever uh, saw Michael Roker, and that is Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer, mm. which I think is a great B-movie. Uh, you know, about a guy who goes around just killing people just for fun. Um, and he winds up, I guess, at the end, killing his, uh, his roommate or his friend for trying to, I guess, his sister at the end. And he takes his friend before he kills him on these adventures. <laughs> these adventures <laughs> of going around and, you know, women and killing them and recording it. Uh, but there's something sadistic about this character. Like, he's the average guy, but he's just, you know, he's, he's a monster. And he sees yeah, himself as that. There's something really sleazy about this film. And actually, when you when I first saw it, amazingly, it did kind of got released in the UK, no problem. Um, and it wasn't too many years after the kind of video nasty um, period. Watching this film does, I do kind of feel like I need a bath after I've watched it. It is. A, it's really gritty, cool, and, gritty yeah. and sleazy, and um, and though the way that you see how these murders happen is via um, security footage, isn't it? I think a it's, video, like handheld video camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's um, it's it's pretty tough to watch. I think is Henry. <laughs> it does leave a really nasty taste in your in your mouth. Does this film? And also because the special effects, they had to cut corners to make it look. I always thought if it became, if it was a, a major Hollywood uh, production, and they spent some money on it, the special effects would look fake. Mm. You know what I mean? Like they went too far overboard. Yeah, uh, yeah. This they had to. This they cut corners of it. You know, not showing blood, just doing you know strangulation. Uh, just to make it, just to save a little bit of money, but it's that absence of that big time special effects that make it seem real. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, but I, I put Henry on there. It's actually one of the first movies that I bought that I heard of, and I had to get it just because of the cover, because all it is is Michael looking at himself in the mirror. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. An interesting debut for that guy, really. Mm hmm. <laughs> And he kind of turned up a little, a couple of years later, didn't he? In um, I think it was Cliffhanger, wasn't it? Yeah, he was yeah, in Cliffhanger. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Yep. And now he's uh, doing Marvel movies and Suicide Squad and Galaxy, oh, yeah. Yeah. Walking Dead, and yeah, he was in was he in um, Suicide Squad? Yeah, which I saw last weekend. Yeah, he was in yeah. that. Cool. Well, my next one is um, I was trying to think of another serial killer, and I, I just there was so many to choose from. I thought, why not pick a fucking plane full of serial killers? Um, and that's 1997's Con Air, directed by uh, Simon West. Um, another Bruckheimer film, which we, you know, spoke about a little bit on um, on our Guilty Pleasures episode. Um, this, this, um, you know, we all know the story. Cameron Poe's a wrongfully convicted. Well, he's convicted because he killed someone in self-defense. Um, Marine, who's who's been transferred along with some of the most hardened criminals in in U.S. history. Um, a guy called Cyrus the Virus, played by John Malkovich. Um, he's kind of the main antagonist in Conair. He's quite charming in parts, I think. Um, numerous convictions, including kidnapping, robbery, murder, extortion. 
Um, and he's also the kind of mastermind um, behind a plot to kind of break out all these prisoners from, from Con Air as they've been uh, transferred. Another guy on there is Diamond Dog, um, which is played by Ving Rhames, who's a kind of... Um, He's sort of an ex-military, I think, black supremacist um, who's convicted of multiple murders. Um, and, yeah, he's, he's a pretty nasty piece of work as well. And a best-selling uh, author. Yeah, a best-selling author <laughs> who's about to be played in a movie by Denzel. Uh, <laughs> and then another chap called Billy Bedlam, um, played by Nick Chinland. And he's a pretty um, nasty piece of work as well. <laughs> Um, he's kind of Cyrus the Virus's left-hand man. He's convicted uh, of, of killing an, an entire family because of his, I think his wife did the dirty on him or something and moved mm-hmm. him with some guy, so he went and killed them all. Uh, and then finally, we get like a kind of a Silence of the Lambs ripoff with, with um, Steve Buscemi's portrayal of Garland Green. Um, I think they call him, is it the Marietti Mangler or something like that? Yeah. yeah. Um, He's a, he's another supporting antagonist who actually turns out to be a bit of a decent con in this film. Um, I think he gets away as well, doesn't he? He's the only he, one of them really that survives. And uh, you know, living it up in Vegas. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah, yeah. In the end credits, he was in. in, in it's Vegas, a mai tai yeah. at the end, and rolling the <laughs> <Yeah>. dice. <laughs> he's a deranged serial killer, and we when we first see him, he's kind of. He's shackled to a kind of um, like a goods trolley or something like that, isn't he? With a sort of Hannibal Lecter-esque mask on. Um, and, it, and one quote that I, I really laugh at every time I see this film is he's talking about what he's done in his past. And he says, one girl, I drove through three states wearing her head as a hat. <laughs> <laughs> and he was um, so infatuated with that little girl. He was. You, know, you thought, you know... You know, do you know the, the little girl says, do you know the song, He's Got the Whole World? And he's like, yeah. And he's singing <laughs> with her, and you think, oh, my God, he's going to kill her. But all he does was take her Barbie, I guess, to... Maybe she snapped him out of what he was going to do. Whatever. Tame him. She, tame him. You're correct. <laughs> tame him. Um, yeah, but you, you felt for that little girl. Oh, my God, he's going to kill her. But no, nah, yeah. nothing like that happened. Okay. Your final one. Uh, I had to choose between two again. So, I'm going to choose Patrick Bateman from mm-hmm. American Psycho, uh, played by Christian Bale. You know, a guy who's trying to just fit in, and anyone who pisses him off, you know, gets the axe. He likes Huey Lewis, you know, dancing like this. <laughs> uh, killing Jared Leto. Uh, but also, I have to throw in there Dr. Philip K. Decker from Nightbreed. Yep. Played by um, you know Cronenberg, um, David Cronenberg, David Cronenberg, and you know besides being a great director and a great writer, he's also you know a, a decent actor. Mm. Um, and that mask he wore, there's just there's something odd about it. He had the buttons for the eyes. It's 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 skin tight. It's gray, and the mouth is sewn, with just a bit coming out. Um, I was always hoping for um, a sequel of Nightbreed. Because uh, I know there's a, um, like a, a definitive edition that's like three hours long with all the yeah yeah with all the cuts inside, um, but yeah I had to I had to finalize my my list with those two so um, you know Doctor Decker and uh, Patrick Bateman oh Patrick you're so wonderful 
Patrick Bateman. I was never. Oh, I, 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 I read the book years ago of American. The Psycho. book is more fucked up than the movie. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 pretty. Um, it's pretty full on and incredibly descriptive. Um, and then when the film came out, I was just. I was really I was really disappointed with the film. However, kind of putting the book aside because it's years since I've read it and and you know a lot of it I remember the rat with the pole and the, with the pipe and the, he stuffs it in there and yeah the, and the car um, battery. Yeah, 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 there's some horrible stuff in it, but putting the book aside and then watching American Psycho some years later um I actually quite enjoyed it the the second time around having gotten over the fact that it was you know, really different to what I'd read. Um, it is a great performance. And, you know, the film, you say the book's fucked up. I think the film's pretty fucked up as well. Um, but but um, I laughed at it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it, it is funny in parts, um, especially when he kind of drops the chainsaw down there. Yeah, he's, he's falling around. <laughs> ah! Or the ATM, feed me the cat. <laughs> yeah. But the ending is iconic because you you don't know if it was all in his mind or yeah. that the 80s and these yuppies are so obsessed with materialistic things that they don't even know who some people are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's, the, you know, but you had Genesis in there. You had uh, Huey, Huey Lewis, Lewis. Yeah. was so pissed off. He didn't want his, his song Hit to Be Square uh, in the actual official soundtrack. Oh, really? It's in the movie. But he's like, yeah. I don't want it in there. Don't mm. take it out. So, they, <laughs> so they pulled it off the shelves. And uh, so, if anyone who has Huey Lewis on there, um, on on their CD or vinyl, um, you got a rare one because it's not on the newer ones. Yeah. yeah so those, it was those, released with it on initially. Yeah. Then he's like, No, 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 no. Take it off. <laughs> okay, that's, interesting. that's interesting. I got to return some videotapes. <laughs> No, it's yeah. it's it's a good and it's a nice snapshot of the eighties as well. Where, you know, when you're watching it, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think we, we decent list of yeah. There's a decent. You and I were talking about. Just, you talk said it just a minute ago. We can go on and on about movies as fictional serial killers. You know, my wife and I were trying to talk about you know putting something on a list, and I want to put some on there that were not supernatural you know because mm. everyone says freddy krueger's a serial killer but i was like no no you can kill these are these are people on on this list that you can kill with a bullet yeah yeah uh, on both our lists and have been except for a couple um <laughs> but yeah that's it I, I would like to hear what everyone else has for on their list for fictional serial killers yeah absolutely drop it in the comments section below and uh you know let us know what your thoughts are what, what are your favorite movie serial killers um, and and also remember to like and subscribe to us. We've got more content coming up, uh, and yeah, it's good to hear from everybody. We really do like to hear from from people and how they discovered us and and uh, what the thoughts are on the content that we're doing. And what else would you like to see? If you've got any suggestions of any sort of topics, movies, or subjects you'd like Frank and I to talk about, just let us know. Put it in the comments below. Yeah, we'll do it. We got nothing to do. <laughs> All right, everybody, stick to the roads. And the best of luck. Take care.